fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Uh, I think probably if you talk about graveyard slots, I've got the graveyard slot in terms of this short series uh, because it's probably a a particularly difficult passage and a particularly difficult uh, subject in many ways. But it's brilliant. It's an absolutely brilliant subject. And uh, it's a brilliant truth and we really need to know it and we really need to soak ourselves in it because it will transform our lives. Uh, Leon Morris, a uh, uh, well-known commentator on these verses, says that probably that verse and the passage that surrounds it is the single most important paragraph that was ever written. And uh, I would tend to agree uh, with him on that particular issue. So I just want to delve straight into it and... Uh, uh, Get rid of any introductions, because there's uh, quite a lot of big words tonight. Um, I'm sorry, I don't like big words, but I can't help it. Um, you can write them down if it helps. I'll try and explain what they mean. I've just learned myself recently. So, uh, it's good and it's important to look at some of these truths. But here, uh, Paul is, Romans is great because it explains the whole gospel. It's a tremendous book, and it uh, <clears throat> lays out for us what... It means to be a Christian. He's explaining the deep riches of what it means to be a Christian. And here, in a sense, it's a kind of summary of everything that he's saying about the gospel. And he makes clear that, uh, by way of introduction, can I say that he is saying we are made for God. That is what we've been made for. We've been made for God. He says we've all sinned and fall fall short of the glory of God. Now, we often think of the glory of God as God's glory and uh, what he is in himself and we worship his glory. But I think here what Paul is speaking about is uh, the glory of God for us. In other words, uh, what he made us for. Um, Our glory, as it were, short of the glory that he uh, made us to live in and to enjoy. We've fallen short of that. In other words, He created us. He made every single one of us, which makes the word and the message this evening relevant to us all. And even if uh, they would hear to people in the streets, He's made us and He's made us for Himself. He created us for an innocent relationship with Himself, to love Him and to serve Him and to be His, to enjoy His goodness and to enjoy His freedom. Made even for His laws. Can you imagine that? Made for His laws. And these laws are summarized just in loving him and loving one another. And we would maximize, to use a kind of uh, uh, business type of term, we would maximize our potential as human beings if we lived uh, for his glory and lived in the glory that he gave and meant us to enjoy. But of course, you know uh, the reality, and uh, so do I, that we have settled for far, far, far less Absolutely and entirely, we have turned our back by nature. From the very moment we have been born, we have been born uh, with a rebellious nature that has turned our back on that glory that God made us to enjoy with him. And we have grasped our own independence. I don't need this man to reign over me. I don't need this man in my life. I reject his lordship. I've got no time for him. I want to make my own decisions. I want to do my own things. I don't want to listen to uh, God and what he has to say for me. And in so doing and in embracing that 
proud, independent spirit, which the Bible calls sin, we have embraced death and uh, embraced slavery to living in a way that God never intended us to live, to be facing a future that God uh, did not uh, create us to enjoy. And uh, we uh, are separated from Him. We've fallen short of His glory. We can't reach out to Him. We can't uh, make our own way back to Him. We can't put things right ourselves. We can't by saying nice things and singing nice things and doing nice things and being nice people. Even the very best of us, we can't reach back to that innocence and that perfection for which we have been created. Uh, Our nature means that we are spiritually dead and separated from God. So, of course, the bad news, as a precursor to the truth that we're looking at, is that the door is closed to God. There's no way back ourselves. And from being a father, we see God, uh, in a sense, his, um, uh, his relationship to us changing into one of a judge. And we're very uncomfortable with that, that particular uh, char- characteristic or description of God. But as our judge, he justly and rightly, even when we can't see it and understand it, condemns us to be separated from him. In his perfection, in his purity, he can't allow our rebellious hearts to be in a relationship and in friendship and fellowship with them. It's just like, in a sense, at a much lower level, but it's like when things are wrong between yourself and your friend, your best friend, and they've done something, they've cheated on you. And it doesn't matter how much you love them, until that's put right, there's something wrong in the relationship, there's a barrier there, there's some big problem. And that's the same in a much greater level with God. There's something that's been put wrong. And it has to be put right. Our heart is diseased and our attitudes are rebellious against Him. And however much He can love us, there needs to be that problem put right. And these are big, big issues for us. And I can only really uh, scratch the surface this evening. But it is for us a terrible spiritual plight. And I think sometimes we underestimate that. We kind of uh, rub each other on the back and say, yeah, it's all right, it's nice, it's good to be a Christian, and it's a happy, good life, lifestyle. But, you know, there's real big issues we're dealing with, real problems with God and real separation from God that isn't really to be pan- pansied around about and with. It's something big and something important. And people are in a serious condition without Jesus Christ, Christ uh, in their lives. So the kind of bad news is, is the precursor to, to what we're looking at this evening, because after stating the condition that we're in, which is that we're separated from God, and that has implications, of course, for this life, and for when we die, and indeed for eternity, being separated from Him, He uh, opens up magnificent good news. And basically, in verses 24 and 25, He's just, he's, he's, He doesn't say it in so many words, I'm paraphrasing it, He says, come to me. Okay, you have fallen short, but look, come to me because I've got the solution and I've made the way right. 
And he uses, uh, Paul uses some technical language here, as uh, David said earlier, but it's really important language. If you're going to be a mechanic, you need to learn the language of the car and what's under the engine. If you're going to be a Christian, there's important language that I think it's good for us to learn as well. And uh, what God is saying is that if we come to Jesus Christ, we will be justified. Verse 24, he says, uh, we are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. Big words there, justified and uh, redemption. But let's grasp them uh, for a moment. Uh, You'll be justified. When we come to Jesus Christ, we'll be justified. That's just another way of saying we will be made right with God. Because remember, we, we talked about God in a sense changing from a father looking down on us to having this aspect to his character uh, uh, as our, both our creator and our judge. And this is speaking in technical language uh, of God as a judge. God in legal mode. Uh, God, uh, we are in the dock. Uh, God is the one who is looking at our hearts and judging us. And that is what he'll do on the day of judgment. Uh, he will be our judge. The only judge that there can be. No one else can judge our hearts but God will be able to do so. And uh, when he says justified, made right, he's saying, you're innocent. And when he says, you're condemned, it means you're guilty. And so he's using here legal language and he's talking about himself as he looks at our hearts and as he makes a judgment about us in his eyes which have eternal consequences. But what he is saying here is that the moment that we come to Jesus Christ, we are justified. We are declared innocent. It's as if the moment you become a Christian, the moment you come to Jesus Christ, it's as if there's a big declaration in heaven which says, you are now innocent. You are now justified. We'll go on to see a little bit of of why that's the case. But what I want to say is that it's more than just you are now forgiven. We, we often say that. Come to Jesus Christ. Come to Jesus and you'll be forgiven. But it's more than that. It's not just that Jesus uh, or God through Jesus forgives our sins. But he says from now on there is actually no more ground for you being punished. You are innocent. It's not just that you're forgiven, but you're innocent. You are given an innocence. You are made right with the righteousness of Jesus, as we'll go on to see. That's a great thing. Whatever else we hear in life, whatever else anyone tells us, to know as Christians, the moment we believed that God as judge declared us innocent, is great. Can you imagine the weight of someone's shoulder when the judge declares them innocent in a legal case just in the the newspapers that we, we read about? What a weight it is off their shoulder. Well, here's a a massive, massive weight off our shoulders that we are justified, made innocent, declared innocent the moment that we believe. And he says, uh, you'll be justified by his grace. That is, by God. It's God's grace. It's God's choice. It's God's mercy. It's God's love. It's God's decision. It's his initiative. It's uh, his idea. It's not that we can't go into God's presence and knock the door and say, excuse me, can I be declared innocent? Is there anything I can do? Can I offer you anything? Can I do anything? No, it's God's choice. 
And it's God's initiative, it's his free gift, is that he makes as judge that declaration. He wants to do it. He loves to do it. He is the God who is a merciful God and he uh, delights in making this declaration to all who will come by faith to Jesus Christ. So he says, you will be made right, justified. You'll be made right by me. It's my gift, my decision, my choice. And he says, you'll be made right through uh, the cross of Jesus Christ, justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. From what you were saying earlier, I think that uh, you maybe looked a bit more at that kind of theme this morning in your worship. But you see, that is an important truth. It's not just a uh, random declaration that he makes. He doesn't just on a whim say, oh, you're innocent, you're guilty, and uh, I just want to declare you innocent. It's through a particular work, the work of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. Now, some people think that is uh, God declaring anyone who is guilty innocent is an unjust thing to do. And some people say, well, that's actually against God's character. Because in Exodus chapter 23 and verse 7 God himself says have nothing to do with a false charge do not put an innocent or an honest person to death also for I will not acquit the guilty he says I will not acquit the guilty in other words God here says I'll not acquit the guilty and I spend the last minute uh, last ten minutes saying God will acquit the guilty and it seems to be a contradiction but the reason that he can declare us innocent before him Declare us right, without wrong, without sin, without failure, is because of Jesus Christ and what Jesus has done. Flicking on to Romans 5, verse 6, he says, You see, Paul really wants us to understand this and, you know, to use our brains and to think about it and to uh, work at it. It doesn't necessarily come easy. He says, But look, you know, you see, just at the right time, when we were powerless, when we were guilty, when we were lost, when we were condemned, when we were spiritually dead, he said, Christ died for the ungodly. And that's the core of the gospel message. Christ died for us. And I know that you know that truth. It's good to be reminded of it. You see, it wasn't just a, a random act on the cross. There was something very significant happening there. Uh, he was paying the price. Justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. Now that word redemption just means buying back. It's used in the Old Testament of slaves who were enslaved and they needed to be, a price needed to be paid in order to buy them back and to give them freedom. And it's that concept that's been used here, you know, that, uh, uh, God uh, in Jesus, Jesus' death on the cross is our redemption. It buys us back to God. It's pictured with the Israelites escaping from uh, Egypt. Uh, and it's through uh, the blood of uh, uh, the, uh, the eldest child that their freedom is bought back. Sacrifice in order to set them free. Now, our sentence for sin is death. 
separation from God eternally. The price of our freedom is innocence and is life. But we can't pay that. But Jesus paid that by living a perfect and innocent life that is to the glory of God. He lived in the way that God intended us to live. And yet he died as a sinner. So that through his death we are bought back when we put our trust in him. He paid the price. And also, he made peace with God. This is a very um, uh, contentious theology. This, that, uh, Well, for some people it is today. That he made peace with God. In verse 25 he said, God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement. And if you look at there's a wee bit at the bottom uh, added to that which says, or as the one who would turn aside God's wrath taking away sin. And for a lot of people today, the whole concept of God being angry, it's horrible, don't like that idea. But whether we like it or not, it's very clearly taught. And it's not our kind of uh, grumpy, bad-tempered, uncontrollable rage. It's not like that. It's uh, the kind of anger I can only compare it with when we are angry with something horrible and evil that's happened. And we feel a, a just anger against that. Last night our neighbours came home from a holiday abroad and they phoned us at 25 past 11 to tell us uh, if they could come round because their house had been broken into when they were away. As so we went round to the house and you just felt an anger welling up inside you when you see all the papers, you know, scrawled about the floor and uh, drawers upturned and um, uh, their house being raped by... Uh, people who are strangers and that horrible feeling that it gives. You feel an anger about that. And of course, God has a just, pure hatred of what is wrong because it, it destroys his people, it destroys his creation and it destroys his relationship with them. And so sin needs to be punished uh, justly and his anger needs to be appeased. And it is appeased on the cross. He pours out his anger, his just anger, not on us, but on his beloved Son, on Jesus. He gives Jesus Christ. And the cross then, you see, is God saying, I'm not just letting you off your sin. I'm not just waving a, a, a kind of a declaration and saying, no, it's okay, it doesn't matter what you do, I'm, I'm declaring you innocent anyway. He says, no, and the price for your sin is being paid for of your rebellion, but it's in the person of your, my beloved son, Jesus. Uh, he is paying the price. He is placating my just anger uh, against sin. So that through justification, the door is opened. Because of what Jesus has done and what he says himself, as he dies on the cross, it is finished. And with his resurrection as a seal of God's approval on that, we have the great, great truth that there's nothing we can add. That the moment we believe that we are declared innocent, you know the Bible in another place talks about being covered in the righteousness of Christ. His innocence, his perfection. God looks down on us and sees us as just and as right and as clean, and as beautiful, and as holy, and as precious, and as pure as his Son. Isn't that unbelievable? 
Sinners like us, justified, made right. If you live to 175, you'll never be more justified before God than the day you were born as a Christian. The day you came to Jesus Christ. It's a once-for-all declaration. Someone who's been declared innocent doesn't have to go back to court two weeks later to hear the judge saying again. It's a once-for-all declaration, and so is this great gospel truth for ourselves. So that we are justified, we're made right. We're made right because it's God's choice, God's gift. We're made right through Jesus Christ and through his sacrifice. And uh, we are made right through faith. That is by taking Jesus for ourselves. Three times in the last section, the last kind of paragraph here, um, Paul speaks about the importance of faith. Uh, by faith. By faith, he says. And by faith. So the truth is that we are justified. We are made right before God. By God alone and by God's grace alone. In Christ alone. Through his finished work. Through faith alone. Through faith in Jesus Christ alone. That is unique. There's not another message like that in the whole world. Wherever you go tonight. Wherever you listen to on the internet. You'll never hear a message apart from uh, in a Christian context of this great truth, that it is God who justifies us. He does it uh, through the work of Christ and through our faith in Jesus Christ. And that's unique. So that Christianity is not a religion, because I think religions have something to offer God, something to give back to God. I'm offering you something. I'm offering you my religion and my religiosity. But it's not a religion. It's a gospel we have the gospel. It's good news. And the good news is that you come by faith to Jesus and God declares you innocent and redeemed and bought back and uh, made free and in a right relationship with him. But can I say briefly that this uh, truth about faith uh, just needs to be um, clarified a little bit. It's not our faith that saves us. Sometimes we think that. We think that, well, you know, God does his bit in salvation. That's his bit. And he gives us Christ. We give him our faith. And the two come together and, hey presto, we're saved. His bit and my bit. God saves, I give him my faith. As if our faith is a kind of merit before God. We're earning our salvation because we have faith. It's not our faith that saves us. It's not that we are justified by our faith. We're justified through our faith in Jesus. It's Jesus that saves us, not our faith. Because then faith can become a meritorious act. Something that we think we can give to God and he must owe us then salvation. We're, faith, we're saved by Jesus Christ through faith in him. Faith isn't a merit. It's not our contribution to grace. God gives grace, we give faith. Not at all. Uh, faith is by what we hold on to Jesus with. Uh, faith has no value on its own. You know you hear a lot of people, especially maybe in kind of media and public circles today because it's popular, maybe even more so in the States or something, uh, where it's more acceptable to be a Christian in the public eye. But people will say, oh yeah, I've got a great faith. I've got faith. 
I have great faith. And they have this kind of undefined, kind of ethereal thing that they grasp every so often and use. As if faith in and of itself is something that uh, is important. But faith has no value on its own. Only as it takes hold of Jesus Christ. Only as it grasps him. Faith's only value is in the object of its faith. Jesus Christ and him crucified. Faith's only function is to receive the gift, is to take Jesus, is to accept him. So, the moment that we believe in Jesus Christ as our Savior, we are declared righteous by God our judge. We are invited into his family and uh, we are as right before him as Jesus himself is. It's a gift. And the great gospel message then this evening is the importance of accepting that gift. We can't work at it. We can't wash ourselves clean. We can't earn our salvation. We can't wait for another 20 years before God will make us, um, will be more acceptable to God. If we're offered a gift, we're asked to accept it. It's the most important decision that we will ever make. And when we accept Jesus, we are declared innocent. We are justified before him. And as Christians, we need to recognize then, because of justification, there's no place for boasting. There's no place for looking down our nose at other Christians and saying, well, I'm a, actually, I'm a better level than them. I'm a better Christian. Uh, I've got more theological news. I understand more things. I'm more important than they are. Not right. No place for boasting. And also no place for saying, oh, well then, if I'm justified uh, and declared innocent, doesn't matter what I do. Doesn't matter how I live. I can do anything. I can go out here and sin just high and mighty and do anything that I want. Because, well, I'm innocent. I'm justified. But of course, that's not the response, is it? Of love or of sacrifice, or of grace, which is instilled into our heart, or a life by the Holy Spirit. You know, I'm not going to go into all the the different ways in which, by grace, that we live lives of obedience to Christ. But it it would be a strange attitude, wouldn't it? Uh, When we are brought into fellowship with Him and given a new heart, that with that new heart we want to return back to the gutter uh, and do the things we did when we were spiritually dead. So we have this great uh, humility and this great desire to serve God and to fulfill his law, which, because we've never been able to before, through grace, to love him and to love one another. Justified, innocent, declared innocent. It's a great uh, redeeming and releasing truth for us that, takes all the weight from off our shoulder having to please God and trying to be made right with God and trying to do our own thing he provides it all as a gift let us thank him for that in prayer Lord God